Hello, and welcome to Trashy Divorces, Trashy Royals edition. My name is Stacy. I'm Alicia. I love Wednesdays. This series is so much fun. Thank y'all for joining us for another week of Trashy Royals as I continue my Henry VIII sandwich. Phrasing. I mean, this week, our episode is going to delve into Henry's fifth wife, Catherine Howard, one of the four ladies that Henry VIII executed. Murdered. Murdered. Uh, inside the Tower Green. This one is actually a twofer because he not only executes his wife, Catherine, he will execute her lady-in-waiting who assisted her in her, shall we say, liaisons. Thanks for tuning in. Hope y'all enjoy it. There is one other lady because Henry's got four. There have only been five women executed inside the Tower Green. There's four of these ladies so far in this little... Henry VIII murder sandwich. I brought you three. There's one more, and that is Margaret Pohl. And if you want to hear her episode, you can go get it free at our free Patreon link, where you can listen to some fun stuff. That is at bit.ly slash trash candy. You just go there. There's a bunch of Henry VIII stuff. Heaver Castle, Margaret Pohl, love letters. Those will stay up this week. And next week, they'll be changing out. But all you tutor nerds, you can get your fix over oh, there gosh. at bit.ly slash trash candy. And if you're not a tutor nerd, maybe you'll learn a little something <laughs> about the monster that Henry VIII is. Mm, he, he is. In this episode today, Stacy, you know what we got to do. Is it go, go, go? All right, Alicia, I've riled up the cats. Let's do this. I love it. Welcome back to Tarashi or Caddy or Tutors, uh-huh, friends. Uh-huh. This week, we are going to get into the last of Hank Eight's executions of ladies on the Tower Green. Uh, it's the anniversary of two of these executions. We've talked about the first, Anne Boleyn, and the second, Margaret Pohl. This week, it's a doubleheader. Ooh. 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 Ouch. Ooh. That's bad. 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 Yeah. Bad. Two executions for the price of one. Okay. The executioner is paid per head, but you get my drift. Oh, my God. Two in one day. I mean, it's sensible, but you would think a salary and benefits package might be wiser. <laughs> Hold up. Okay. Time you know, stamp. Really a per piece kind of thing. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> Story, man. Time stamp. February. 1542. I mean, honestly, though, by February in England, it's probably just miserable. It's pretty dreary. Everyone's probably pretty... So The 13th of February, in fact. The executions... Oh, cat. You made the jump, though. Good barely, job, buddy. Barely. Nearly fell. Okay. The executions of the very young Catherine Howard hmm. and the very complicit Jane Boleyn. So Catherine Howard was the 15-year-old that he married or whatever who kept 17, having... 17, yeah. Okay, kept we're, having yep. all of her teenage lovers visit after she was married to we're the gonna, king. We're going to reassess some history today. Okay. We're going to dismiss dismiss some myths in this Myth, episode. Myth-busting. Mm-hmm. Trashy divorce style. So Jane Boleyn, as you remember, is the sister-in-law of Anne Boleyn, mm-hmm. Henry VIII's second wife. Ooh. So, 1542, this is six years later. Wait, Jane Boleyn is the sister of Anne Boleyn? The sister-in-law of Anne Boleyn. She's married to George Boleyn, 
her brother. Gotcha. Okay. Ooh. Dude. Not helping. He would like to podcast with us. Come on. Get in the sunbeam, dude. Jesus Christ. Get in the sunbeam. There's a sunbeam spot in a chair right there. What? What? Come here. Look at that. I I made you a throne. Come here. Here, here's a sunbeam throne. Here. There you go. Yeah. He's got a sunbeam. In a chair next to the lady. Right there on his body. Spoil our cats? What do you mean? Psh. So Jane Boleyn mm-hmm. is the sister-in-law of Anne Boleyn, okay. Henry's second wife. Wife of Anne Boleyn's brother. Okay. George. So this is six years later, 1542. Okay. Henry is going to kill his fifth wife and her lady-in-waiting. How do we get to this cold and dreary Monday in February 1542 in English history? Okay, so if you don't already know, hot news drop here. Henry VIII is a monster. Mm -hmm. In May of 1536, he killed his wife, Anne Boleyn, and her brother, George Boleyn, Lord Rochford. Now, George ascended at court, not with the rise of Anne, but with the rise of Mary Boleyn, who was Henry's mistress. Remember? Okay. Okay. But George is going to ascend with Mary and Anne and all of his family and all of the Howard relations. Dad Boleyn is a big deal. But Uncle Howard, the Duke of Norfolk, is a bigger deal. So Tudor men, right? Not all men, but all Tudor men. Remember in this time, they string Anne up on false charges and Jane Boleyn and sister-in-law over time has developed this really seedy reputation of being the one to lay charges against her husband, George, and Anne of incest. Jane is seen as the baddie of the day. It's all Jane's fault that George got slung up in this. Can I just say, as someone who has a Jane in my girl gang, shout out. Hey, Jane. I completely understand that Jane is the baddie in these groups. <laughs> Jane, like, we're going to we're gonna dismiss the myth here because I've been just as guilty to sling Jane up in this. But after a significant amount of research, let's talk about let's talk about Jane. Yeah. Jane Parker, <clears throat> born in 1505 into a big deal family. She is actually a distant cousin of Henry VIII through the Beaufort line. Ah. Mm-hmm. The Parkers are mm-hmm. members of the upper class for sure. They have money. And they have the shoes to match. They are well-heeled. Jane goes to court. At about 15, she's going to be a lady-in-waiting for Catherine of Aragon. Okay? Jane will attend, in 1520, the Field of the Cloth of Gold. Remember, that was the big deal show-off tournament between Hank 8 and Frankie the One from France. Okay, 1522. At the Great Chamber in York Place... York Place is Cardinal Woolsey's townhouse in Westminster. Once Woolsey has his downfall, York Place is going to be taken via his attainder in 1529 and be converted, renovated into Whitehall Palace, which is the home that Henry and Anne are going to create together. This is going to be eight years down the road. Anne will be the first queen to live in Whitehall Palace. Okay. Anyway, that's that's the location of where we're going. So it's March 1522, York Place. It's Shrove Tuesday. Shrove Tuesday is part of the Shrove Tide celebrations. Go ahead and ask me. 
what are the Shrovetide celebrations? I'm so glad you asked. In the Tudor period, mm-hmm. well, Shrovetide are the three days before Lent. Okay. So it's kind of like a Catholic Mardi Gras. It's I was the, gonna, Okay, I was mm-hmm. going to say that, yeah. So that's when you get it all out. Woo, it's party time. Because for the next 40 days, you're barely going to be able to eat. Right. Party time. Excellent. So this is cakes and booze and cookies and Everything. meat and fat and all mm-hmm. the things that you can't. It's Shrove Tuesday. Gotcha. This is Fat Tuesday. It's Fat Tuesday. It's Fat Tuesday. Okay. That's exactly it. Okay. So to celebrate Fat Tuesday in 1522, there is this huge sup. There's a huge dinner, a huge masquerade, a huge mosque. Okay. I mean, they have them all the time, but this is one of the ones that history really remembers. It's recorded. This one is the biggest deal. It's called the Chateau Vert pageant, the green house. This pageant is the first recorded appearance at court of Anne Boleyn because Anne has been over in France serving Queen Cloud, Frankie One's wife. But Anne is back at court because she has a shit-ass uncle, the Duke of Norfolk, who is making plays with her too. So pageant time. Chateau Vert, greenhouse. Who are our players? What's the setup? So the setup of this play, there are eight ladies in the green palace in the green tower okay they are beauty honor perseverance kindness constancy bounty mercy and pity they're in the castle and they are being guarded by the seven vices danger disdain jealousy vindictiveness scorn malbouche which means lying evil mouth okay a uh, person who says bad things tells lies. Yeah, uh, yeah. The last of the vices is strangeness. These are being played by the choir boys, right? Okay. Now, here's a setup. There are eight courtly male virtues. Amorous, nobleness, youth, attendance, loyalty, pleasure, gentleness, and liberty. These are played by Henry VIII and all of his buddies. Okay? The point of the mosque, the male virtues... Want the ladies in the tower to be free. And the vices are like, fuck off. And so the males, the courtly male virtues, attack the castle with fruit. It's a drive-by fruiting. So they throw dates and nuts and, like, you know, pleasurable fruit at the castle. So they attack the castle. The ladies inside are defending the castle with rose water and comfits. The men, naturally, beat the vices Take the women out of the castle to do the dance that happens for the rest of the party. Right. Everybody at court wants to be an actor. Remember? So, so they have liberated them from vice. Correct. That's because the in plot. the because in the yeah in the Christian pantheon, freedom is to be free of of sin and vice and oh, whatever. On a completely unrelated note, mm-hmm. sorry, this is way off the fuck. Topic. Can, I, can I give you a can I give you a, a off the wall harebrained theory about yeah. why this feast may have happened at this time sure so i'm wondering if you get to february and your food stores are going to be pretty skint but you're also going to have like fruit that's been in apples you stored them in hay in a cold room but some of them will have started to rot like some of this food that you've been storing over the winter to survive maybe that's will have why gone it's a bad by fruiting maybe maybe you have some uh cow's going into calving season early and it's unlikely that the because there's going to be more cold snaps there's going to be more deprivation it's unlikely that those young would survive so maybe they just butchered them 
I don't know. It's just a theory. Like it's a weird time to because your spring you haven't even planted for spring yet in England. I don't know. Yeah. It, anyway, interesting. Because as we know, care about, nerd care about the foods. Okay. Because the purpose of Lent is you're out of food. It's the most skint time. It's between That's winter. It's not the purpose of Lent. Well, okay. the Lent is the forty days at. I'm not going to explain Catholicism to you. Okay, we're here for the tutors. But, but seriously, it's the boy. Does it happen to coincide with the point in time when your winter stores have run out and your spring harvest hasn't come in yet? Come for the executions. <laughs> Stay for the tutor food lesson. Continue. No, that is not the purpose of Lent. But boy, does it coincide. So the important players in this cast that you will have heard of. Mary, sister of Henry VIII. Remember the French queen who's going to go on to marry or has married Henry's like BFF is beauty. Mary Boleyn is kindness. Anne Boleyn in her first court appearance is playing the role of perseverance, which I find Mm -hmm. kind of apt. It it is interesting. And Jane Parker plays the role of constancy. So this whole time period arc is fascinating. Food and otherwise. (laughs) But remember, Anne Boleyn is not in the loop yet. She's just back from France. Henry VIII is getting down with Mary, her sister, at the time. So what all of this means, essentially, is what I'm trying to say, is Jane Parker is super connected at court. By the end of 1524, early 1525, she gets married to George Boleyn. Lord Rochford. She's Lady Rochford. The king gives them a house. And as Mary or Anne, their fortunes rise through time. George is their brother. They're going to get a better house, right? And Jane's on this fucking ride. And through history, the happiness of their marriage is contested. A lot of people say it was totally miserable, and George is gay, and Jane's bitter, and Jane hates Anne, and she's super jealous of how close Anne is to George. And here's what I would like to say straight up. None of that can be substantiated. What we do know is that George is pretty easy on the eyes and easy with the honeys. He gets around a lot. I am sure most men of the Tudor generation get around at court a lot. Yeah. Yeah. But not all of them are brother-in-laws to the king and have their lives set out before the world in a fake news court because the king's fragile masculinity was at stake. Do tell. So May of 1536, it's beheading time. Mm. Jane, Par- Jane Boleyn, Jane Parker Boleyn, remembered as the beast of history for selling out her husband. But legit, the only documented real-time source from the information of that period, the only verifiable thing that we can connect Jane with, and this goes back, I think we talked about this in the Anne Boleyn episode, is that Anne Boleyn confides to Jane about Henry VIII and his penis problems. And Jane tells her husband, George, about Henry VIII's penis problems. I mean, that's it. That is it. And remember, in George's trial, he gets handed the letter in court about Henry VIII's penis problems. And they're like, will you read that over and just verify that you wrote that, but don't read it out loud? And George is like, what? Not read this letter like where I wrote about the king's penis problems? Mm-hmm. All these words that you're telling me, not this letter. Yeah, I wrote this letter. Let me tell you what it says. So all that's entered in the evidence of court. Okay. 
after this, George is in the tower, Anne's in the tower. Jane sends George letters in the tower, like during his stay there before he gets axed. He responds back, like, I'm going to petition Henry VIII. Like, she's fighting for him. Even Chapuy, the Spanish ambassador that everyone loves to hate, doesn't mention that Jane has sold out George or Anne. And if the sister-in-law of the queen was responsible for such charges, it would have been way bigger. I mean, it would have been huge news. It would have been the headline, right? Chapuy doesn't even talk about it. So Jane gets a lot of shit for being a weasel and a vindictive woman and a shrew, but there's no evidence to support that. There's a fantastic book Julia Fox has written about Jane that will give you a portrait that is far more accurate and sympathetic. Again, I may have given Jane a lot of shit in the past for this one, and for that I'm sorry. I'm glad I know better now. In this scheme, in 1536, I don't feel that Jane is complicit or guilty or the or in a way that history makes her out to be. She gets slung up in 1536 for being a truth teller. Hmm, that doesn't surprise me, actually. In, in the court of Hank 8? No. Just remember in the 1536 part. Okay. okay. So Anne Boleyn, George Boleyn, out. Jane manages to save her own skin through this. She ends up appealing to Cromwell because her father-in-law has cut her off for money. So she's back with her family. She's got nothing to live on. So she appeals to Cromwell to appeal to her father-in-law. She ends up getting a meager sum to live on, but she's alive. I mean, her husband is dead. Like she's a traitor to the, like she's out, but she's alive and she's not at court for a while, but she's working to get back in court. Like all the titles that have come through George only descend, like, they don't have any kids, but they only descended with the male line. Like, she is destitute. She works her butt off to get back at court. Which, upon retrospect, she may have just wanted to stay in the country with her family. But Jane's going back for Jane Seymour. Okay? Eventually. Uh <laughs> Like, not immediately, but it takes Jane like a year or two to get back to court. Jane's mm-hmm. back at court for the death of Jane Seymour. She'll stay at court, where she becomes a lady-in-waiting for Anne of Cleves. And then Jane will be a lady-in-waiting for Henry's fifth queen, Catherine Howard. In terms of tragedy, Catherine Howard's story may be the winner-winner chicken dinner of Henry VIII's queens. So let's hop it up. Time hop. Whoosh. <gasps> To 1540. Old TARDIS sound. The marriage, as it were, to Anne of Cleves. Remember, it was made for political alliances, like Tinder Swipe Left or whatever it is. It ends after six months. AOC, uh, AOC, that's what I, Anne Anna of Cleves. Cleves, makes out like I always use initials, so sometimes it, sorry. Mm-hmm. Anne of Cleves makes out like a bandit. She is now the king's sister. Because remember, Henry was just like, if you will go the fuck away, yeah. I will give you whatever you want. You can have a palace in Richmond, and you can brew your own Germanic, Germanic beer, and you can just, like, get down. Please, eat, everyone. Eat carbs yeah. and live out the rest of your just days in joy. Yeah. I'll hold you in high regard. You have your own lands and money. I won't cut your head off ever. Her head's on. Yeah. Woo! She outlives him, right? Mm-hmm. Anne of Cleves is going to outlive Henry, and... All of his other wives. She's a big deal to Elizabeth I as well. 
Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, you talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. Henry wow, the Eighth. Okay. So she, yeah, she lives oh, a long she time. She's the winner. Right. She's the verifiable lottery pool winner of his wife. Gotcha. In terms of best outcome, mm-hmm. Catherine wins for tragedy. Because Henry the Eighth, right? Anne of Cleves isn't uh, as lusty as he expected. Right. And remember when they first met on New Year's, he crashes in in one of his big extravaganzas where I'm a bad guy and you're supposed to. And she's like, who the fuck are you? Right. He and his friends like Mm -hmm. faked a home invasion because that was his thing and it freaked her out. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of exciting her, it alarmed her and he was not happy with that. Yeah. That's not the only problem. It's funny to imagine gigantic Henry VIII like climbing ropes to get to her privy chamber or whatever. You know, like it's hard to picture Well, he's that. 49 now. He's mm-hmm. not climbing anything. Okay. And remember his big pussy leg mm-hmm. and his medical condition. So he mm-hmm. is a monster. Sure. Henry, besides all the problems with Anne of Cleves and the we don't cosplay the same way, Henry has a new girl catching his eye. Who is Catherine Howard? Oops. One of those Howards. Poor choice for her. There's never a wrong time to take a look at the things that are keeping you from living your best life. And if now is your moment, we recommend BetterHelp. BetterHelp is confidential, convenient, and safe professional counseling with your own licensed therapist. BetterHelp's quick questionnaire matches you with a counselor in under 24 hours, and you can message your counselor at any time, even between scheduled phone or video sessions. And if you're not clicking, that's fine. It is free to change counselors. BetterHelp is available worldwide. They offer specialized expertise that may not be available locally where you live. It's more affordable than traditional counseling. Financial aid is available as well. It has just never been easier to find a licensed professional counselor. In fact, there are so many people using BetterHelp that they are recruiting counselors in all 50 states. We want you to start living your happiest life today. As a Trashy Divorces listener, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash trashy. Join more than 1 million people who are taking charge of their mental health. Visit betterhelp, that's betterhelp.com slash trashy. The Duke of Norfolk is her uncle too. Catherine is a first cousin of Anne Boleyn and Mary Boleyn. She has come, Catherine, as a lady-in-waiting to Anne of Cleves in 1540. Let's give a little bit of her history. She is born maybe 1523, maybe, because it's not recorded. But she's also one of 11 children. Her dad is broke. He is begging to support the family, and he should know better Because even though he had 11 kids, he is from a family that has 21 children. I just can't. Catherine's mother dies when she's five. And Catherine is sent to live with her father's stepmother, Duchess Agnes Strickland. Duchess Agnes is a dowager, dowager duchess. Older lady. And her home, much like other dowager widows at the time, was set up to be a boarding home and school-ish mm-hmm. sure. for young girls within the court. To teach them manners and how to present for court, right? That's yeah. And how to play the virginials and how to, like, mm-hmm. there's there's two, like, but it's, 
Yeah. It's pretty loose. Like, the girls are left mostly unsupervised. And there's a lot of male activity. I'm sure. Visiting the honey hive where the girls sleep at night in the dormitory. So Catherine Howard, by the age of 13, is being molested by her music teacher, Henry Mannix. Yay. He's twice her age. He's oh a total my creep. God, yeah. Well, I don't think she would say, No. I'm being molested. Like, that wasn't it at the oh, time. Oh, no. Of course not. No, I understand. I'm just saying, like. But hey, come on in. Let me teach you the flute. Sit down, honey. Like, poor Catherine is just aggressively and violently used her entire life by men. She mm-hmm. is, she's a victim of. Yeah. Ah, okay. Henry Mannix, total creep. So another dude comes into the picture, and this one she actually likes, or likes like you do when you're 15 and don't know any better at a country house. This guy's name is Francis Darum, and he is the secretary to Agnes, the Dowager Duchess. Okay. Catherine Howard and Francis Darum fall in love. And uh, old molester... Henry Mannix is kind of mad that Catherine Howard would choose love over his treachery. So he writes a note to the Dowager Duchess. Hey, dear uh, Agnes, you should go into the dorms at night 30 minutes after lights out. Oh, my God. And Agnes does. And it's bad. Yeah, I <laughs> like, bet. It's super bad. Well, if she's been not supervising these girls for ages. Dude, it is, it is straight up the Moulin fucking Rouge in the dormitory at night. Like, it is... And some girls aren't, but a lot of girls are. So the girls that aren't are making notes about every girl that is. Right. Right. Like it's a. We call them introverts. (laughs) Call them bookworms. (laughs) So Agnes finds out Francis Darum is sent away. A few of them were lesbians. (laughs) Catherine Howard is heartbroken. Um, She and Francis Darum may have because. They hung from each other like sparrows or whatever it is called. Um, may have been actually pre-contracted for marriage. Mm-hmm. This uh, <clears throat> it, It's okay. The king may have had other ideas and, you know. This just oh my God, breaks Emily. Catherine Howard's poor little 15-year-old heart. Yeah. Like you do. But Catherine Howard, if I haven't mentioned yet, is good looking. Mm-hmm. Like she's beautiful. No, it's clearly what has caused many of her problems in life and or at least the problems that men have caused in her life. Yeah. And Agnes is like, Hey, maybe I need to get you out of here. Maybe you'll do better at court. So the Duke of Norfolk is licking his chops to get back into power because with Anne's downfall, Mm -hmm. it right. It worked so well the first time we've been out of power. How about another Howard girl? This one's even prettier. Henry's even older and Henry needs an heir. Okay. Catherine Howard's off to court. She's excited. She's taken in by it all. And soon she's like, hey, Francis, who? This is definitely where I belong. Like, she forgets all about any past she may have had because, woo, this is court and it's great. She's 17. She's lady-in-waiting to Anne of Cleves. And Henry's 49 and he's infatuated and Little Catherine Howard, beautiful, loves to dance. She loves animals. She really likes dogs. Like, she is a 17-year-old child. this just sounds terrible. And she's hot. I want to be a veterinarian when I grow up. Like, (laughs) that's exactly it. But Henry is hot for teenagers. Sure. He's going to marry her three weeks after his divorce from Anne of Cleves. 
they're going to have a 10-day honeymoon. And she is, then he cuts her head off. Okay, well, it's going to take two years, but she's his rose without a thorn. Uh, her motto, no other will but his and all that. She's not crown queen. They're waiting for her to get pregnant. Right. But young and clearly fertile by the <clears throat> looks of her family line. Are they just tired of maybe spending the money to have big soirees to crown someone queen only to have them lose their heads? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is an expense for the crown yeah. we don't really need. Yeah. We'll, we'll get into it if there's an error. But Catherine Howard, like at 17, she likes the pampering and the clothes and the jewels. Who doesn't want to? Yeah. I'm 17. And the benefits of being queen, but she's also handed a household with hundreds of servants. Catherine of Aragon. Sorry, did you say girl boss? (laughs) (laughs) Catherine of Aragon was a queen. She can run a house. Right. And Boleyn ran the house. Like, Mm -hmm. they're running households, and Henry hands a household over to To Catherine Howard. To a 17-year-old, yeah. And she's like, what the fuck? I am at best a mid-level manager. (laughs) (laughs) Want to wear the pretty dresses. But, I mean, this is theoretically what this sort of finishing school type thing that she has been living at for a while theoretically would have been teaching her but i guess wasn't well that's the education she would have gotten if she wasn't being molested by the shady fucking music teacher Mm -hmm. like all right so henry decides to take his youthful beautiful bride old dirty pus ridden leg henry goes on a tour the north with his bride to show off his Mm -hmm. lusty plaything and catherine will begin an affair with a guy named Thomas Culpepper on this trip. Okay, let's bring Jane Bolin back into it. She will help cover up their affair. She sneaks Thomas Culpepper in and out, like down the back stairs. She keeps a secret. Until all the people, remember, who shared the dorm with Catherine all those years ago in the Honey Hive are like, wait a minute. You, she's entirely unsuitable to be queen. Like, you have to remember the Howards have enemies. The Howards are now ascending back at court. So family factions and court and how it's all related, the enemies of the Howards are like, oh no, we've got some great scandal on this kid. And they'll do anything to bring the Howards down. Catherine Howard, I want to be a veterinarian, is just caught up in it all. Like, Okay, so all of this news gets to Thomas Cranmer. Now, if you remember Cranmer, he was the pastor to Anne Boleyn, and his mortal enemy is the Duke of Norfolk. I still think Cranmer will always hold Norfolk responsible for Anne's downfall. So Cranmer is like, hey, Henry, these are the things I'm hearing And Henry doesn't believe it. He orders an investigation, and now everybody's coming out of the woodwork to tell what they know about Catherine Howard. They find Francis Derham, question him. And he's like, yeah, we totally fucked in the dormitory. We were totally married. I don't know why she's married to you, because I'm in love with her, and I want her back. (laughs) Jesus Christ. So, in this time, Jane Boleyn is called to talk about it, too. And Jane has helped them in all their rendezvous. Like, Anne Boleyn was not guilty. Catherine Howard, certainly guilty. And the problem with this is it's not just that Jane knows it was going on. 
Jane participated in right. the plot of yeah, it yeah. going on. Catherine Howard in the tower. She's got the circumstance of being a woman in the time of men and terrible luck and it's tragic. Jane Boleyn is in the tower too for her part in all of this. Like it's reckless and foolish, no doubt. There's no denying her complicity. But here's where, I don't know. Like does Jane help with that one time? Because Catherine was like, please, please, please. And once she's helped one time, what's the difference in helping us again? Over and over and over. Yeah. And like, we're never going to know why or how Jane did what she did. But Jane remembers also seeing the alternative. Her husband and her sister-in-law have been beheaded. Maybe she's tired of losing family members. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. So Jane in the tower suffers a nervous breakdown. Some people say definitely suffered a nervous breakdown. Some are like, oh, she pretended to be insane. But she loses her mind one way or another. She is questioned on the daily. She's not tortured, but she's questioned every day for like five months. And she is definitely making a case through her words and behavior like she's insane. She's suffering a nervous breakdown. There's this little handy rule in England. Is it called might makes right? No. Did I tell you about the first rule that Henry changed that now you have to disclose your sexual past? Uh, I don't know. I missed a paragraph. Ooh. So his brides now are required to disclose their sexual past. So that's the first. I'm so sorry. I missed a paragraph somewhere. Basically, Catherine Howard was supposed to have guilty of high treason because she was supposed to be like, Mm. hey, I've slept with this many people. Sure. Okay. Henry's going to change rule number two here. As right now in Tudor England, if you are declared insane, you cannot be be executed. executed. Mm -hmm. You can now. So uh, instead of just putting her away, Jane uh, yeah. is going to get slung up when that rule changes. Yep. So Jane can and will be executed right after Catherine Howard mm-hmm. on the 13th of February, 1542, in the last of Henry VIII's Killing Women on the Tower Green Tour, because he's a prick. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> mm. That's the that's the very final conclusion to the story. I don't know. It's a sad story. Yeah. I mean, it does there are not a lot of great stories about Henry VIII. No, I mean, so when we talk about him becoming a monster, like all that kind of spun off from his whatever medical condition he had to make him just an ass. Yeah. Now, come on. How much do you look like an ass face anyway when you're 50 years old parading around the country with a teenager? And it looks stupid anyway. Come Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He's a prick. I hate that guy. Or, I I mean, I don't know. I'm increasingly of the opinion that to men, you look like a god. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we just think that that's ridiculous because we're women and men just think that it's awesome if you can be 50 with a pussy leg and just just a terrible human and have a 17 year old wife i don't know well okay so the one good thing i mean hashtag not all men i guess but maybe it's all men i I don't know i don't know anymore nothing makes sense anymore no it's it's what is this thing thing you speak of sense burn it down i'm just back right to it sorry So the good thing that happens 
in this is that Norfolk is going to get a little bit slung up for this because of the Anno Cleves debacle and the Catherine Howard debacle. Let's see. I mean, this has a million thread spinoffs, and there is going to be one more woman because there are a total of five that are executed on the Tower Green inside the walls of the Tower of London. But that will be done by Henry's first daughter, Mary the First, mm-hmm. on a future trashier Tudors. But those are Henry's executions. And uh, I'm just sad. Please listen to Sixth the Musical. All I want to do is Catherine Howard's song, and it's How great. How amazingly different English history would be if Richard III had won at the Battle of, what, Bolingbroke? Was that, what was it? Anyway, the battle where he Bosworth. was killed, Bosworth Field, he was killed, yeah. That's just amazing. It would have kept Henry VII from ever becoming king, and therefore all of this. It's no, a, it's a, impossible to speculate. I mean, like, you know, I would say Elizabeth I was probably pretty good for England on the whole so if you want to spin that theoretical, it would be Margaret Pohl's brother, who would have assumed after Richard III being the closest in the family line until somebody took him over. I don't know if Henry Tudor was inevitable or not. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that is Trashier Tudors for yet another week, yo. So trashy. We're just all counterfactualing it up in a pursuit of justice, <laughs> of which there is none. Trashy divorces for justice. Can't get divorced, just behead him. God. All right. That's all I got. All right. Keep it trashy, friends. Please do. Until next time. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Breaking news. Sorry, y'all. There's an addendum to that whole episode for all of my tutor nerd herd out there. And you're like, no, it's not the Duke of Norfolk that got wrapped up in that. It's not that at all. No, it's not that at all. And it woke me up at 2 a.m. because I just got like Aunt Irma, about Tudors. So, Thomas Howard, the third Duke of Norfolk. Okay, gets a little wrapped up in the story that you just heard, because, you know, he's the leader of the Howards and all that. But what I meant to say in the previous piece about the good thing that happens in that time, well, I consider it a good thing, is the execution of Thomas fucking Cromwell. Okay, so the Duke of Norfolk gets a chain of lucky escapes. I'm not kidding. He is strung up in the tower after Catherine Howard's nonsense all the way to his death in 1554. But he has death papers drawn up a shit ton, but they're never signed. He is about to be beheaded on the day that Henry dies. Like, Henry never gets to sign the paper. Okay. The Dorkin... Norfolk. Dorkin Norfolk. Dorkin Norfolk. It's a hella story, but, like, Uncle Jerkface isn't gonna die... Until 1554. Okay. But Cromwell, with this whole story we just heard, will get the axe because of the marriage to Anna Cleves. Okay. Because Cromwell arranges it. Oh. Right? Mm-hmm. And Henry's mad. And I guess old Cromwell didn't perform quite the duty the king needed him to. And Henry VIII has to behead someone. It's his favorite fucking thing to well, do. Well, yeah. So in 1540... Before the executions of Catherine Howard and Jane Boleyn, after the divorce, like immediately after the divorce, he's getting married to Catherine Howard, and he's like, yeah, I think an execution will make this party fun. So July 28th, 1540, Thomas Cromwell gets axed. Now, I don't know if Thomas Cromwell is really surprised by this, 
because you have to remember he rose to power when Henry VIII wanted his last minister dead, Woolsey. Remember Cardinal Woolsey? I do. And Henry hung him out to dry? Sure, took over Hampton Court Palace. Cromwell has been just as shady and just as seedy, and Cromwell's going to be arraigned under a bill of attainder. He's executed for treason and heresy. The king will, however, later express deep regret for killing him. But you don't get two heads. Most most people don't get two heads. So. I, if I had two heads, I'd gladly give one to the King of England. Fuck you, Henry VIII. Anyway, please forgive this additional insert, but I had to communicate the good part. If executions at all can be good. And I left that part out of the story and got too excited. So, goodbye, Tommy C. Cromwell, out. 1540. That's all I got. 1554? Cromwell's out in 1540. The oh, Norfolk Dork loses his Norfolk head. Dorka Norfolk is out fifteen fifty four. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So confusing. Okay. I just didn't want to be factually incorrect. I I, I gotcha. My correctness is important to me. I know. I it can't is. pronounce it worth a good goddamn. It's also important to our listeners. But who appreciate your correctness? At least get the right dates. All right. That's all I got. Okay. Keep it trashy. Keep it Tudor. Ba boom. Out. Your four minutes of Tudor enlightenment. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear want to advertise with us reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information and last but not least come play with us on social media i keep most of our trashy divorces instagram hopping stacy and i share it up over on facebook including our trashy divorces podcast discussion group come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening keep it trashy y'all